Before we start the show, <clears throat> I'm going to try to do something without crying. Um, the show was taped over a couple days. Uh, I started on the 15th, and today is the 16th, and uh, as stated as we begin, my wife got injured, and I've been taking care of her because she can't walk, and um, around noonish, I quit recording yesterday, and I went upstairs, my wife had a message, and uh, a good friend of mine uh, had passed away. You know... All of us deal with grief in different levels, in um, different ways. That tall, lanky guy was Scott Carl. And Scott was different for me. To make you understand, I, I don't make friends. I make acquaintances. I, um, I had a good friend... Um, in the beginning of my military career, his name was Troy. I won't say his last name. Lame. Um, and, you know, that's just my way. I don't put people's last names. Because we're in a cancel world. And then people might not want to be associated with this show. And um, Troy and I were competitors. Um, it was right when I was starting to feel my druthers as a infantryman. And we competed for best squad competitions all the time. And... Somehow, over all the competition and button heads, we became friends. And when my time ended in Fort Lewis, Washington, um, you know, I was sad, but I didn't show it. I didn't let anybody know. And this guy, a ranger, been to combat twice, because shows up on my front door, and he's trying not to cry, saying goodbye to me. And I felt horrible because I felt those same things on the inside, but I just couldn't show it. I didn't want to let anybody get in. It was so hard just to say goodbye to my wife and kids. I was getting Korea and weekend deployments, this, that. You know, we're in the field. People just don't understand the military. You're just never home. Even if you're not overseas, you're never home. So fast forward to 2003, four. um... I'm in the National Training Center, and I'm in like one of the lowest points of my life. Uh, Korea, the wars, I haven't been home. My marriage is via phone, and I'm an alcoholic, like really bad. I would drink a liter bottle of whiskey every weekend, and that's like Friday, Saturday. That's a lot of whiskey, and I would just get drunk because there's nothing else to do. I was in a van down by the river. And in walks Scott Carl. And for some reason it clicked. He was like a brother. And we were pretty much inseparable. If we stopped to barbecue or do anything, it was me and Scott. And then he introduces me to his family. And they became my family. Um, I don't think I ever articulated enough how much they saved me. Their daughters, their wife, which I won't name just because of the way the world is, they embraced me and they brought me to their home. They brought me over for holidays. I couldn't be home. And they were 
my family. And Scott was my brother. He was exactly like me. He was a family guy. And I remember a night in the Mojave at the end, we broke off and had a little solo barbecue. And we sat on top of the whale, which is a big land feature. And it was a beautiful night. You could see forever. And we talked about the future and our families and things you just didn't talk to with army guys. But the Mojave was different. There's a solace there. There's just peace. And there's nothing to do. I mean, you're just staring out at the desert. And I don't think I could have been closer to anybody as I was Scott. Life started happening. I got a career. We got a link up and they lived down in Georgia when I had a store there and we'd link up and have dinners. And I remember a night at his house, just, it was like we we're back in Fort Irwin. I was with my family, even though I wasn't home. And he introduced me to Woodford's. It's still a funny story because he sent it to me as a gift. And me and the wife were sitting in the living room watching TV and we thought the house was on fire but it turned out to be my mouth because of the whiskey and I remember just laughing there's so many memories that have come over because unfortunately because of me we kind of broke off last year because I left Facebook and that's kind of how we kept in touch we both weren't callers and we didn't really email each other and I kept in touch with the girls and his beautiful wife and him and it just after the riots I checked up on him and made sure he was okay and that was pretty much the last time we talked and I, I just feel horrible about it. I just feel horrible. I don't, wasn't a day went by I didn't think about him but I just didn't communicate. We'd lost numbers and I changed phones a hundred times with business and personal because I didn't have a personal phone for a long time and it, just a million excuses that shouldn't be there because we should have still been talking. And now he's gone at 49. There are a lot of shitty people in the world. He wasn't one of them. He was one of those good men. He served his whole life in this country. He served his family. He was a great husband, a great father, and a great friend. And I will miss him. So if you could take a time and say a prayer for a great family in Georgia and let God wrap them in his love and help them through this difficult time. I really appreciate it.
listening to hear the vocals the drums the rhythm guitar but listen more closely and you'll hear so much more listen to a singer-songwriter trying to make their way to the big city or kids rapping to escape it listen to hope and heartbreak to late nights in the studio to months on the road 
the silent uncertainty of the next gig. Listen to the voices of your generation, those who came before you and those who are next. Listen to the signature sound of a great producer, to backup singers you sing along to with names you may never know. Listen to love, to the dedication put into every song, every album, to the years of hard work that go into every overnight success. Listen to the life's work of the people who dedicate their lives to this work. The Recording Academy's job isn't just to hand out awards. It's to listen to the music and to hear the voices of all those who make it. And we're listening like never before. We hear the cries for diversity, the pleas for representation, and demands for transparency. I first joined the Academy 20 years ago so I could vote for myself. But what I quickly found, what led me to become a trustee and now chair of the board, was that the Recording Academy is about so much more than an award, more than an individual artist, or even who's chair. Tonight I'm here to ask the entire music community to join in, work with us, not against us, as we build a new Recording Academy that we can all be proud of. One that will continue to do the work and serve everyone in the industry. Now we might not get it right 100% of the time, and we certainly won't be able to make everyone happy, but we will provide support in times of need. We will preserve music and educate the next generation. We will advocate for the rights of all creators to make sure they can continue to earn a fair living making music. And we will stand up for what's right and fight for greater diversity and more equal representation. This is not a vision for tomorrow, but the job for today. Our work is important because music is important. Thank you. The Department of Justice quietly dismissing more than one-third of cases from protests in Portland last summer. KGW reporting 31 of the 90 cases in which protesters clashed with federal agents were dismissed. They include both misdemeanors and felony charges, like four defendants charged with the felony assault of a federal officer. Top of the hour now this. Overnight chaos as protesters light fires outside a federal courthouse in Portland even torching an American flag. Benjamin Hall is live as the city's mayor makes a new request for police funding. Benjamin. Yeah, Brian, hi, um, and good morning. Yeah, look, a group of about 60 people stormed this police outside the Mark Hatfield building. Uh, the courthouse has since been the scene of several protests, unlawful assemblies, and riots since last May following the death of George Floyd. At least one person was arrested on suspicion of damaging property and allegedly punching an officer. Some in the crowd could be seen burning American flags, smashing windows, and spraying graffiti. It was the federal authorities on the scene, officers with the department, of Homeland Security. They encountered the protesters with tear gas and smoke bombs. Many demonstrators were dressed in all black, some reports identifying them as Antifa. The unrest started hours after Mayor Ted Wheeler announced he is seeking $2 million to help bring back uniformed police officers. Poland has seen a spike in shootings over the past few months, but just months ago, Wheeler disbanded the city's gun violence reduction team amid $15 million in budget cuts. It was also after the city began dismantling fencing and guards put up around the city's federal courthouses from last summer's riots, when the city say more than 100 consecutive nights of destructive protests. Uh, but Wheeler says that, he says, unlike the gun violence reduction team, this new money for police would include a new community oversight committee that would collect and publish statistics and help establish parameters for 
the police enforcement. And welcome back to Flyover Politic Podcast. This is the 15th of March. This will be a 16 March show, but I'm doing it in two parts because I have an injured wife who fell down and hurt her operative knee that got replaced and her ankle. So she is resting now. I'm going to do a little segment today and then finish it up tomorrow morning early. Our intro there is not how I plan to start this show. Um, It's the usual Biden, blah, blah, but... The Grammys, and then violence, where you would literally see a freaking cop get a microwave thrown at him. We're just not dealing in facts. On top of it, there was a shooting in Nashville. And this piece is rather large, but I want to play it because it is the complete body cam. And then I'm going to cover how the media covered it. It's one piece. Um, but this was locally in Tennessee and everything this lady did was wrong, but you'll still see the media wanted to portray it differently. Don Aaron with the Metropolitan Nashville Police Department. This is a video news release concerning an exchange of gunfire between a woman and a Metro police officer on Friday morning, March 12th. The officer was wounded and is hospitalized. The woman was fatally wounded and died at a local hospital. You are about to see body-worn and in-car camera footage so that you can have a better understanding of what occurred based on what we know up to now. The Tennessee Bureau of Investigation and this police department conduct thorough use of force investigations. This investigation is at the early stages and will take time to complete. A word of caution. The images and information you are about to see may be disturbing and difficult to watch. Viewer discretion is advised, especially for children and sensitive viewers. Just after 9.30 a.m., Field Training Officer Josh Baker from the East Precinct was patrolling in the area of Brickchurch Pike and Ewing Drive when he spotted a black 2015 Chevrolet Camaro. Officer Baker was aware that the registered owner of the Camaro, convicted felon Demond Buchanan, had six outstanding drug warrants, charging five felonies and one misdemeanor that were issued last month for possession of heroin, cocaine, methamphetamine, ecstasy, Xanax, and crack cocaine. Officer Baker radioed to check on the airborne status of a police helicopter, believing that the driver of the Camaro might try to flee. 23. 2 3. Is there one still available? Or up? The Camaro stopped in the parking lot of the Dollar General store. Officer Baker found that it was being driven not by the wanted drug felon, but by Nika Nicole Holbert. 23. Everything's 10 4 right now. He's not in here. 10 4. You want me to give everyone a signal line? 10 4. While Ms. Holbert essentially complied with Officer Baker's directives during the first few minutes of their interaction, 
Her compliance changed after Officer Baker found what appeared to be marijuana and a powder substance in her bag and attempted to detain her while waiting for backup officers. As you will see, Officer Baker drew his non-lethal taser in an effort to safely bring Ms. Holbert into custody. Officer Baker drew his service pistol when he saw that Ms. Holbert had pulled a gun. As he demanded that she put the gun down, Holbert shot Baker. He returned the fire. Just bring your bag out here. Ma'am, stop, stop going through it. Come step right back here. What did you take out of it? Nothing, I was Okay, okay, all right, listen. Just come back here. I think we're getting off on the wrong foot, okay? Because I'm really confused on why I'm getting He's caught. got several warrants. Okay, I, that has nothing to do with me. You don't know who's in the car. Nobody's in my car. Well, now I know that. However, now I'm gonna address the other problems. Okay, so you want so, my bag and all okay. my belongings. So just step right back here. Can I use the restroom? And let you know it's being audio and video recorded, just to let you know. Okay. 23, if you did have one more, that would be, that would be good. Right. 104, dispatch any unit near Ewing Drive and Brick Church, Ewing Drive and Brick Church. Can we step back here? 21 to 23, DVB code 3. Negative, just code 2. So it's just in here? Yes, sir. Okay, was there... Well, about five minutes from me. Is this... Yeah, I'm not done with that though. Where's your lighter at? In the car. 13, it says you're about seven minutes away I'll, from I'll get it for you in a second, okay? Uh, so you would drive oh, over right to the Dollar General. Can I have you start across okay. the 23? You scaring me. Thank you. Do me a favor, turn No, hold turn on, around. don't put me in handcuffs. I haven't done anything wrong. Ma'am. No, don't put me You're in handcuffs. You're about to get tased. No, 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 Get down. No, get down on the ground. Down on the ground. Put 
Three, three, shots fired! Shots fired! 10-4, 13, keep outside, code 3. 23, I'm hit. Get uh. Step out. Bam! Put the gun down! Put the gun down! <laughs> 23 shots fired! Shots fired! 10-4, 13, keep outside code 3. 23, I'm hit. Uh. Officer Baker was shot in the side of his torso. The round went under his bulletproof vest. Holbert tossed her semi-automatic pistol in the parking lot before fleeing in the Camaro. She drove for about a block before running off the road at the intersection of Brickchurch Pike and Moorwood Drive. Officers rendered aid for her gunshot wounds until an ambulance arrived. She died later Friday morning at a local hospital. Officer Baker is in stable condition after undergoing surgery. In the coming days, the Tennessee Bureau of Investigation and the Davidson County District Attorney's Office will continue to investigate and analyze this incident. By policy, the MNPD will also be conducting an administrative review of the tactics and interaction you have just seen to ensure that they meet the high standards expected of our officers. Thank you for watching this video news release. I tell our men and women to uh, use caution, uh, make the best judgment, de-escalate uh, when they can, uh, but just be careful. This is a dangerous job and it's a dangerous time not only here in Nashville but around the country. Uh, violent crime is on the rise everywhere uh, and so it's just uh, unfortunate uh, that we have to deal with that during this time, but I tell them to be careful and uh, just pay attention to signs if they can and when possible de-escalate. Team coverage on today's events. Our crews are learning more information about the woman who died, along with who Officer Josh Baker is. We start tonight with News Force Carice Jackman. She's been on the scene of where this all started. And Carice, explain everything that led up to this point right now. Yeah, according to officers and authorities, Maurice, a lot led up to this situation. But I want you to take a look behind me here. It's been going on for hours, this investigation. And you can still see investigators with TBI and Metro Police still here on the scene. Now, we want to show you a couple of footage, footage and video that we took just a few minutes ago, just within the last hour. Take a look at this. This is a tow truck that arrived to take the black Chevy Camaro away from the scene. You can see on the driver's side, the window has been shattered and one bullet hole is on the driver's side door. Now, according to police, Officer Baker made a traffic stop of that black Chevrolet Camaro. Police say the owner of the car had a six, six outstanding drug warrants. Spokesperson Don Aaron told the media today that the person would 
with the outstanding warrant was not the person driving, and the situation led into a shootout. Now, police say Holbert fired shots first, drove off, then crashed shortly after that. We spoke with one woman who lives not too far from the scene. She walked up to us and said she is just heartbroken over the entire situation. Listen to this. I had the officer know this morning when he put on his work uniform, because that's just a work uniform. What people don't understand is first, he's a human being. Okay, he's just going to work. Now, one person is dead and he's in the hospital fighting for his life. Now, what sense does that make? And again, TBI is handling this case. Of course, when we know any more information from them, we will let you know. Marius. Josh Baker is recovering at Vanderbilt Medical Center where he's in stable condition. News Force Alexandria Adams is continuing our live team coverage tonight. Alexandria. Marius, you know, we reported earlier that we learned that the officer is in stable condition, and that's all we know right now. But I want to show you the scene, what it looks like out here. I've been out here since around 10 a.m., so it's a much different scene, much more calm. No officer's presence as of right now. Here's the adult emergency entrance here at Vanderbilt uh, Hospital. We just see some typical uh, Vanderbilt security that you would normally see. Now, I want you to look, though, what it looked like earlier this morning. Like I said, I've been out here since around 10 a.m. Throughout the morning, we saw a heavy police presence as they waited to see how their fellow brother in blue was doing. Dozens of officers standing outside of the emergency room doors. Uh, we also. When we go through the intro there, we have the BLM propaganda, raunchy dance, and that was rapper Little Baby Fury Anti Police Grammy Act features radical anti Semite in it. But. That whole thing was just done to what? Get you to hate cops. And then we see that across the nation, and I could have played hours of tape. I'm not playing Portland. I'm going to cover it. But I could play hours of tape of Breonna Taylor protest. No justification excuse for this violence. Three officers injured. Thankfully, none serious. Smoke grenades and other projectiles thrown at people trying to facilitate a Breonna Taylor protest. Nine business vandalized. Eleven arrests. Uh, windows being broken in LA. A man just got maced for telling Anifa to stop breaking windows. Uh, m major rioting in LA. No response from the LAPD. Rioter has jumped on top of a vehicle. Riot line has formed. It's the same stuff from the summer. I I'm not playing it. And then you see the video. That's why I did them back to back. Woman who died, an officer involved shooting, had several run-ins with the law. They go, this is locally, I'm surprised, the Fox 17 News did it. And she had misdemeanors, a felony, drug possession. The mother of Nina Hober speaks out after officer involved shooting. And I'm going to play this because it wouldn't let me download this. So let's go ahead and play this and listen to the mother. Because this was all over. The Channel 4 network is an NBC network and it's very liberal. We stopped watching it. That was our news network since 1997. But um, here, here's the mother. Homeowners, this incredible tip is just for you. If you owe less than 331000 Homeowners, this incredible tip is just for you. If you owe less than 331000 
Now, there is pain on multiple sides tonight, including a grieving mother who is demanding answers. Nika Edwards' mother spoke with News 4's Rebecca Cardness exclusively today. She joins us live from Skyline Medical Center tonight. Rebecca. Hey, Marius, I did speak with Holbrook's mother earlier today here at Skyline and again tonight after she watched the body cam video. And I can tell you she is in pain, she is in shock, and she's calling for justice tonight. I'm not going to play this. You saw the video. You saw the video. Metro officer wounded, woman dead after shootout during traffic shot stop. Um, you saw the police chief talk about it. I mean, for fuck's sake. She picked up a gun. Nashville police shoot suicidal woman near Goodlettsville. This is the Knoxville Channel 4 News. Uh, the ABC network out of uh, Nashville. Metro, Metro officer critically wounded woman killed in shootout after traffic stop on Brick Church Pike. And the ABC News. Prayers pour in for Nashville officer and family, which really surprised me. And that's the only network that put anything up. But you watch the video. Nothing in that video has anything to do with race. Yes, he's white and she's black. But even after being tased, she picked up a gun. He said, put down the gun. You saw people online taking this Nashville shooting and trying to say this is another Breonna Taylor. It's not. She was armed. If you were white, if you were a Martian, if you were from fucking Pluto and you grabbed a gun and the police officer told you to put it down and you didn't, you're going to get shot. Especially after you've repeatedly refused what you're being told to do. You've been tased. You've been direct tased. And you refuse to follow instructions. The way they're trying to play it, it was they were looking for a warrant, but she had drugs on her. So then that becomes a felony stop. It's very simple. It's nothing about race. It hasn't become national because I think the media isn't stupid enough to try to go through what they did before with the guy with the knife unarmed, and he clearly was armed. And then the second aspect of it, and more importantly, there's a dim president now. Now, really think, if Trump was still in the White House, you would know about the Nashville shooting. It would be national news. CNN would be going fucking crazy. Lemon would be going crazy. They'd be losing their shit right now. Because it benefits them at the polls. But I didn't even know about this case. And I live here. It popped up in a feed on my wife's Facebook. And then I researched it. So that's why I wanted to start the show back to back with what they're saying and what's really happening. Remember... 19 white, 19 black people were shot unarmed last year. But within those unarmed is the same shit like the dude with the knife. 
there were hundreds of white people shot, unarmed. And if you're armed and you point your gun at the cop, what do you think's going to happen? But the BLM movement has infiltrated the media, infiltrated the music, infiltrated corporations. It's infiltrated the entire country. $400 million. We've defunded police departments. And once again, Ted Wheeler scrambles to refund the police. Portland Mayor Ted Wheeler has requested the city officials approve $2 million in funding to bring back police patrols following a large spike in crime rates. Why are you guys taking down the license plate numbers? Asked militant Antifa video. Uh, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna play this. Why are you taking down the license plate number? Because I suspect you guys are gonna be involved in criminal activity. Pre crime. This is all big business, folks. Any way you cut it, this is big business. And they, so that's a burning federal courthouse. The major mainstream media has yet to cover it. None of it. They'll never cover it. Because it's money for them. It fills their coffers. It gets them reelected. Democrats need this type of stuff to win at the polls. And that's why Nashville is just a cricket right now. Nobody cares about Nashville. You're not going to have major marshes. They're not going to be saying, say her name. But in 2022, oh yeah, they'll do it. So to flip the show around, everything is racist, you know. Everything is racist. It's time we rename that building after somebody who deserves it. I couldn't agree more, Congressman. And considering this long overdue moment of racial justice reckoning we're navigating as a nation, changing the name of our premier law enforcement agency so that it doesn't honor a racist tyrant who trampled civil liberties, I don't know, seems like a pretty logical step to me. Now, if you don't know about J. Edgar Hoover, he lorded over the FBI as its first director for nearly 50 years. And he spent much of the 1950s and 60s obsessively trying to derail the civil rights movement using tactics like illegal wiretaps, 
warrantless searches and other dirty tricks to spy on movement leaders like Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Hoover's FBI even sent Dr. King an anonymous letter attempting to blackmail him into committing suicide. It sounds crazy, but seriously, just Google COINTELPRO. I've talked about it right here on this segment many times. Now, we could spend hours discussing or discussing Hoover's documented misogyny, homophobia, and spinelessness when it came to policing the mafia. Or we can step into 2021 and rededicate the building to someone deserving. I've got it. How about the Stacey Abrams building? Yeah, no. She didn't win, so no. Don Lemon this week, you do. People get people get so upset by the idea of the possibility that someone may think that they are racist or biased or bigoted in any way. What's the more important thing? Is it the racism, the bigotry, or the bias that's most important? Or is it the perception or the feeling that someone may think of you that way? Is it about your fragility, your ego, or is it about the actual thing that it is? And I think if people can really think about the question in an honest way, then they will understand the frustration and there will be some self-correction because oftentimes people get indignant about how dare you say that I'm racist? How dare you say that? Why is that so? Why does that hurt you or threaten you so much that the actual act of racism, much more than the actual act of racism? Why everything's racism to you people. Everything. Singer Celeb Sabello in race re-education camp over 10-year-old Tumblr entries. We have a full freaking breakdown. Where the hell is it? Uh, where the hell is it? I think I have it in my cancel. It's in the cancel. It is literally trying to get rid of a fucking Vogue editor because of Asian tweets. And she's light skin. But she's not fully black. Laverne Cox cries racism and medicine on the blacklist. White people don't see our pain. There's been a lot of medical racism now. Mm. Here's the article. Ultra Beauty cancels Teen Vogue advertising over ed- ed- editor's ancient Asian tweets. And remember, she's light-skinned black. She wrote the tweets when she was like 17. Woke space drama. Astronauts rip racist NASA treating her as a token black girl. Digital blackface. Social justice nonprofit warns against using Oprah reaction means if you're not black. And, and we've been down this again. Remember, we, we covered this a couple years back. Digital blackface. I always use, oh, that shit's funny from Bad Boys 1 on purpose. Just to be a dick. Because I know somebody's going to say it. Fierce digital blackface debut a debate erupts online after white and non-black people are told not to share Oprah memes. And and here are, here are the actual tweets that they're talking about. Um, let's see if I can get it to pop the fuck up. I guess I'm going to do the fucking article. Here we go. Oprah gave us so many memes last night, Philip Lewis. Could we jump on a call to discuss Lily Dancier? And then comes in the woke skulls. Um, they, they did slides. Slow factory foundation. 
digital blackface, an online phenomenon where white and non-black people share GIFs and photos of black folks to express emotion or reaction to anything happening on the internet. While seemingly harmless, the problem with digital blackface is that it often reinforces negative stereotypes about black folks, such as they're aggressive, loud, sassy, and simply here for your consumption and entertainment. It is another way people try to co-opt black identity and culture without any of the day-to-day realities of being black. This is digital blackface. Don't do this. Shut the fuck up. Just shut up. Journalists say convicted cop killer Muma Abu-Jamal now has COVID-19 and freedom is the only treatment. Muma Abu-Jamal is a journalist, okay, who has been in prison for over 40 years for a crime he didn't commit. He now has COVID and conjunctive heart failure. Freedom is the only treatment. I mean, fuck the cops. Fuck their family. That shit doesn't matter. That soundbite you heard, Tiffany Cross proposes renaming the FBI headquarters the Stacey Abrams building. Sure, but shouldn't it be the DOJ building since they're the ones who seem to share her view that election integrity is a bad thing? (laughs) University student government demand double ethnic study requirements. Not just one class, two. So you don't have to worry about your degree. doesn't matter if you're a good engineer. It just matters if you're woke. Medical Journal forces out doctor for questioning structural racism. Edward, Edward H. Livingston resigned after being accused of hosting a harmful podcast that minimized the effect of systemic racism in healthcare and questioned its profound impact on millions of people across the country. It, it doesn't exist. Try to cancel me. It doesn't exist. There's no such thing as structural racism. We've bore it out with so many rules and laws and things. Come on. And then our insanity before we go to cancel. And tonight cancel is the usual culprits. And it's after Tucker Carlson. Texas Christian University microaggression workshop encourages students to tar- to target coworkers with politically incorrect views. So if you act conservative, target them. Stanford Law launches Youth Justice Lab to address insidious metrotocracy in public schools. Three professors suspended over Halloween costumes worn in 2014. Three University of South Alabama professors were placed on administrative leave after pictures surfaced of their Halloween costumes from 2014. Georgetown Students Bar Association asked students to list pronouns in solidarity with trannies. Kentucky College hosting white citizenship as terrorism event labels Trumpism as white terrorism. U.S. Department of Education curbs decision on race-based affinity groups. Required Penn nursing class deducts points if students don't introduce themselves with preferred pronouns. That's part of your grade. Uh, that's fucking fantastic. California proposed ethnic studies accuses Christianity of theocide. Theocide. I've never even heard of that. 
New York lawmaker pushes sex ed overhaul, teaching gender identity to five-year-olds, anal sex to 11-year-olds. We covered that. And the number one, New York City school pushes students to stop saying mom, dad, parents, referring to anybody with a gender. Time to cancel. Um, yeah. He's a racist. He's a sexist. He's in love with Donald Trump. Y'all can't cancel me. My life is scandal free. There ain't no sponsors taking losses because the brand is me. My hands are clean. My family and my fans agree. Y'all can't cancel me for facts because you're mad and weak. Go ahead and tell the world I'm ugly and racist. I braid my hair and I don't care about cultural appropriation. Tucker Carlson is the new Donald Trump. Tucker has taken Trump's place as a right-wing leader, as an outrage generator, as a fire starter. And it's all happening on Fox, just like Trump's campaign did. Which means Rupert and Lachlan Murdoch are ultimately responsible. I mean, think about all the ways these two men are similar. Every day, Carlson is throwing bombs, making online memes, offending millions of people, also delighting millions of others, tapping into white male rage and resentment, uh, stoking uh, distrust of big tech in the media, generally coarsening the discourse, never apologizing for anything, and setting the GOP's agenda. Sounds like a recently retired president, right? Even before the 2020 election, there was informed speculation about Carlson as a 2024 candidate. Of course, some of Carlson's detractors say, he's just a troll, he's just really good at ticking people off. But isn't that what they said about Trump for years? Yes, Tucker is known to critique Trump and the Republican Party from time to time. This time last year, he was at Mar-a-Lago trying to convince Trump to take COVID more seriously. But Tucker tells the same conspiratorial us versus them story that Trump told. The same they're out to get you story that Trump told for years. It's the paranoid style in American politics all over again. And Tucker now soaks up some of the same social media fury that Trump did. He stokes the same, same debates that Trump did. And it raises the same predicament that Trump raised five or six years ago. Whether and how to cover his claims. I mean, here's just some of what Tucker did in a single week this past week. He said pregnant service members are a mockery to the U.S. military and claimed the U.S. has a national masculinity crisis. And when military officials rebuked his comments, he flipped out and doubled down. Tucker also spent an entire segment berating a New York Times reporter because she had the audacity to call out online harassment, and then he blasted the Times for defending her. He tried to rewrite history about George Floyd's death and said American leaders used Floyd to enshrine, quote, open racism in nearly all of our institutions. And he mocked Meghan Markle and he defended Piers Morgan, et cetera, et cetera. The list goes on and on. And it all is because of these individuals on screen. What Tucker wants is attention. What Rupert Murdoch and Lachlan Murdoch want for him is attention. As this headline put it, Tucker is the post-Trump MAGA champion, firmly supplanting Sean Hannity at this point as the number one star on Fox News with ratings far ahead of anyone else on Fox. And by the way, other shows re-air his comments all day long. Fox News is increasingly the Tucker Carlson channel, and the Murdochs recently cut a deal with Tucker to expand his profile on Fox's streaming service, too. It's ultimately all about the Murdochs and what they want, how they're going to keep the profits flowing by giving the viewers more and more radicalized content led by Tucker Carlson.
think anyone is actually I don't have that claiming that. I don't, right, have I don't that think power. I don't think any company is actually going to remove Fox News from the cable lineup. But but there are you know these questions about Fox's as Fox radicalizes and as it becomes even more and more of a political tool. Zerwick, you wrote a column recently for the Sun about this, saying Fox should be viewed as a political tool, and that raises a question: Should it be a part of the White House press pool? You know, should it be afforded the privileges that come with news gathering? Even though they do have some news reporters at the White House, you're saying they're primarily a political tool. So, so should that be reassessed, Zerwick? All right. Hey, how many uh, feminists are like going nuts? So how, why is this cis white male doing all this Latino stuff? Uh, and the Grammy ghost. Typical stuff. They're always going to attack whoever's putting out stuff they don't want out there. But this has now gone from media to the military. Now, we can talk about the last guy. Bro, just take a loss. He came back out and put up another video. Um, uh, where the hell is it? Uh, 28 years and your critical thinking skills are so lacking that you are unable to discern Mr. Carlson's meaning. Not a good look. It's almost as if your righteous indignation is but an attempt to deflect away from some personal discretion. Doth thou protest so much? He tried to respond with another video. I'm not going to play it. And this is the Marine Corps guy from last time, all right? But the official Marine Corps Twitter account put it out. Paul Funk put it out. All these randos start putting it out. And once again, this is not a defense of Tucker. Nothing in that thing said women can't be soldiers. It said our priorities aren't straight. And then all these idiots start proving the point. Here's a picture that was put out by the Marine Corps. Well, what's next to it? Let me flip through to this. U.S. military, let me expand it, halts gender-neutral Army combat fitness test because females are failing at 65%. The new PT test. Yeah, all these pictures are cool, man. You guys, that's it. And then I find this guy. This is just some rando SAR major. And if I expand it, you can see what he says. He's basically saying, my family was attacked and blah, blah, blah. Well, I responded to him, and I did this all fucking weekend. Army has changed. Had I typed this when I was enlisted grunt, I would have been court-martialed. Woke is ruining the Army if this is a CSM's priority. Then I decided to get even more because he talks some more shit to somebody else. He didn't talk shit to me. By the way, Sergeant Major, didn't watch show, but now have watched segment. You're proving the segment's point. Woke isn't a metal task, nor TTP. Mission, mission essential task list, or the things you're supposed to do. Like with me, it's movement to contact, fucking raid, recon. That's what an infantryman does. And TTPs are training things that you do to accomplish your metal task. But senior leaders now seem more focused on Twitter with woke, not combat. My day, we ignored this shit and soldiered on. We didn't DNC. And that's my point about all of this. It's just DNC crap. Next, they'll be putting this on MREs. Black made MRE. And nothing in that segment had anything to do with the ability of females. And it was the leadership focused on things that have nothing to do with winning wars. And oh my God, they're right. Don't count on the commanding officer to discipline whoever sent that boomer dig on Tucker. 
Say what you will about the left, but you can't deny they're comp- completionist. When those guys commit to reorienting an institution, they show up, roll up the sleeves, and they take care of business. The smiting and all this stuff. The military is getting too feminized. Them post 76,000 tweets about how offended they are. Molly Hemingway. Someone suggested alerting commanding officer Brian Russell to the embarrassing tax for the uh, ego official on U.S. journalists who critique identity politics. You'll perhaps not be surprised to learn he's all in on the tax. Brian Russell. Twitter's just full of these great responses today. That's a journalist. Yeah, these are all journalists. Now, once again, when I was in the military, this was off limits. I don't give a fuck it's Twitter now and there wasn't Twitter then. I don't want to hear that shit. People got kicked out of the fucking army for fucking criticizing Clinton. Enlisted members got Article 15's loss of rank pay for saying politics. But somehow... It goes back to me ranting about right check. In the age of Bush, the Pentagon became super democratic. Flag officers, general officers became super dems, progs, because they had aspirations to go be in the media or they had aspirations to be politicians. So look at that toad Petraeus, who we call Betraeus. He went all political at the end of his career, so he'd get a good job. Then he got caught fucking. And he's beloved on Campbell. Man, you say anything about Petraeus on Campbell, you are a piece of shit. Just a piece of shit. But they all became liberal. So then you get a guy like Reichek, who's a commissioned officer in the National Guard. He leads protests against the war during the 2004 election cycle. Now he runs... Am whatever that thing is, the Iraqi Afghanistan veterans thing that I won't join. I've been asked to join. They've come out, reached out. You know, they they find out who vets are and they send them emails. And I said over and over, as long as he is associated with that organization, I don't want anything about it. It's a partisan organization. It only cares about liberal stuff. He only went to the RNC conventions. He never went and did anything. And it's no different than task and purpose. All those media, military things, the mil- the Army Times, for fuck's sake. They're all liberal. But this shit should be off limits. Nowhere in your fucking directives, your commander's intent, is to argue about politics on Twitter because you don't like a Fox host. That is off limits. And no, you don't have free speech. You're a soldier. Free speech has nothing to do with it. Biden admin faces backlash after military attack Tucker Carlson. China's military is laughing. And to sum up, the Department of Defense posting on a government website. Press Secretary Smites Fox. U.S. Marine Corps Master Gunnery Sergeant Scott H. Seltzer attacking Carlson on the Space Command. U.S. Marines IMEF information. And the PSYOPs, the United States Army PSYOPs unit. Sent it. But yeah. Yeah, we don't have a problem with woke in the military. That's The woke isn't a priority. We're about killing and accomplishing bullshit. Ever since Obama took over the military and your number one priority was trying to justify why fucking 
trainees should be in the military knowing that you don't let ADHD in or any other mental deficiency. We screen people out. But they were justifying it. Because these officers don't care about winning wars. They care about prolonging wars. They care about their career. And their career is to suck the taint of any Democrats. Because Democrats have been in control of Congress for a while now. The House. So they're down with all this shit. The most telling thing about this is Democrats surrounded the Capitol with troops. Now, A, under Trump, 118 of these supposed to stellar officers that are all principled and nonpartisan wrote letters saying that shouldn't happen. But then it happens with the Capitol, and then Democrats say you can't trust those soldiers. Not one of those people. Paul Funk wasn't offended by that. It's his army. But no, not offended. Marine Corps, gunnery sergeants, motherfucking uh, meth groups. Well, they didn't get on Twitter and say, how dare you say that about soldiers? We serve anybody. We serve who we're supposed to serve. No, they didn't say that. Why would they? Elon Musk, Wokipedia, battle for the moral high ground. In this new game. Woketopia. I'm sorry. I fucked the whole joke up. That's fucking funny. Woketopia. And then to go off our last thing. I was wrong with Dictionary doing the BIPOC and supposedly. There's 600 new words. The article about the new words notes that it's adding 450 completely new entries along with 94 new definitions, existing entries, many of which have to do with vocabulary surrounding the coronavirus. Technical updates include revised definitions of acute respiratory distress syndrome, variants and strains, elbow bump, COVID-19. The outlet also added a new entry for video chat platform Zoom. The wokeness of the dictionary came out in a section titled Redefining Race, Social Justice, and Identity, which added the acronym BIPOC as an actual fucking word. It's an acronym. But okay. Yeah. Black Indigenous People of Color. Dictionary.com also announced that it would capitalize words indigenous following media outlets' announcement last summer that they began to do that. Black would be capitalized, but white would not. Because when you capitalize white, you're a fucking Nazi. The new capitalization is including the dictionary move to show due respect to the identity culture other than white. Uh, that's not what they said, but that's what it is. Another new word added is supposedly... Uh, phonetic spelling, African American, embiggen, uh, deep fake, deep learning, machine learning, uh, court packing is now a word, which it was never a war. Or it's, it's what it is. Everywhere you go, this is what you got. Everywhere. Everywhere. To other cancel, David Hogg. Yeah, his pillow company ain't doing good. She claimed he groped her, launching Pakistan's Me Too movement. She now faces three years in jail for criminal defamation. A Pakistani singer who two years ago accused pop star of groping her, a recording studio, now finds out that she's a lying piece of shit. Yeah. 
DNC speaker who once offered to scissor a major GOP donor to get him to drop a support for Romney sours on Democrats. Sarah Silverman's leaving because they're not woke enough. The second soundbite on the rate on the woke section was Bill Burr is now trending, and they're trying to cancel him for making that knock on feminists. Yeah. There we go. It's all good shit. Which leads me to my last woke thing, and then we'll kind of close out this day's recording, because I'll talk about it on the other side, and then we'll go into Biden. Here is Tom Cotton summing up succinctly how all this is just a bunch of bullshit. Because he poses the question to one of these woke people that we've talked about, Tucker covered, that everybody's a fucking racist. And then when challenged that, well, what's your racism? She just clams the fuck up. Ms. Gupta, I want to return to a troubling exchange you had with Senator Cornyn. He asked you, simple question, is it true that you advocate for the decriminalization of all drugs? You said, simply, no, sir, I do not. He asked you to clarify, and then you said, Senator, I have advocated, as I believe President Biden has, for the decriminalization of marijuana possession. You went on and said, I do not support the decriminalization of all drugs. Yet, Ms. Gupta, in an op-ed published in September of 2012 in the Huffington Post, you wrote, quote, states should decriminalize simple possession of all drugs, particularly marijuana and for small amounts of other drugs. Ms. Gupta, why did you mislead Senator Cornyn in this committee? Senator, I was not um, uh, misleading. I was speaking for my position today after having been at the Justice Department, after having uh, family members and experiences inform my thinking on this. I do not support the decriminalization of all drugs. I have spoken about substance use issues uh, and drug possession and substance use disorders as both a public health problem and an enforcement problem. Uh, and I believe, continue to believe that uh, very much as, as both a public health problem and okay. substance use. So, thank you. He, he didn't ask what the position of the Department of Justice is. He asked, is it true that you advocate for the decriminalization of all drugs? And you said, under oath, no, sir, I do not. You publish an op-ed plainly advocating for, quote, the decriminalizing simple possession of all drugs. Senator. You did, not, you did not say, I've changed my mind. You did not say, my thinking has matured. You said, no, sir, I do not, under oath. If that's not a misleading answer, Ms. Gupta, what is? Senator, the, not to pick apart words, but if, as I understood the question, it was about my present advocacy position on these issues. I do not support the decriminalization of so you, all drugs. So you've changed your position since that op-ed in 2012. You no longer support the decriminalization of all drugs. Uh, I don't. Thank you. Let's move to another exchange you had with Senator Cornyn. Last summer, nine months ago, you were in front of this committee, and Senator Cornyn said, do you believe that all Americans are racist? You, you replied, yes. I think that we all have implicit biases and racial biases. Yes, I do. So Ms. Gupta, I ask you, against which races do you harbor racial bias? Senator Cotton, I do not, um, the yes was to say that all of us have implicit bias. Uh, this was an exchange also that Judge Garland had with Senator Kennedy during his hearing. I believe that we all have implicit bias. It doesn't mean that we are harboring any racism at all. These are unconscious assumptions and stereotypes that can get made. 
Uh, and I remember uh, that summer in the exchange with Senator Cornyn that we were discussing systemic racism and implicit bias, and my response was to say that all of us have implicit bias. Well, to be precise, you said we all have implicit biases and racial biases. That's all. Every single American you accused of implicit bias and racial bias. So I'm asking you again, against which races do you harbor racial bias? I am quite aware that I know that I hold stereotypes that I have to manage. I'm a product of my culture. I'm a product. It's part of the human condition. Uh, and uh, I believe that, you know, one of the reasons I believe that all of us um, are able to manage implicit bias, but only if we can acknowledge our own. And I am not above anyone else in that matter. Um, I think implicit bias is something that is part of the shared human condition. So uh, in the Trump administration, you strongly opposed the nominations to the federal courts of the following uh, persons, Patrick Bumate, Michael Park, and Ada Brown, a Filipino-American, a Korean-American, and an African-American. Should members of those communities be worried that you harbor racial bias against them since you oppose those judges' nominations? I'm not sure I see how that connection is being made, Senator. The, the leadership conference for decades has reviewed the civil rights records of individual judicial nominees in Democratic and Republican administrations. Uh, uh, and there were judges that we opposed based on their civil rights record and a complete review. There, were, there was one set of judges that the leadership conference opposed because they simply refused to say that Brown versus Board of Education was the law of the land. And uh, that seemed uh, um, untenable for, um, for a judicial nominee, but it was based on a review of the record. Um, and, and that was the basis, that was the advice and letters that we would send to, to the Senate. There were about a quarter of the nominees that President Trump put forth that the leadership conference opposed, but it was always after a thorough review of their record. So it's your position then you can oppose someone's nomination on the merits without immediately and justly being accused of being racist or sexist because of their race or their sex. Sorry, Senator, I'm not, I'm not sure I understand what you're getting at. I, I I'm getting at the point that, that our Democratic friends and many in the media often make whenever a senator opposes a nominee, they immediately jump to charges of racism. Such as, for instance, some people accuse Joe Manchin of being racist for, and sexist for opposing near attendance nomination. Can you oppose... Can you oppose the nomination of a woman or a racial minority on the merits without being racist or sexist? Yes. Thank you. Let's move on to another exchange you had with Senator Cornyn. You've had a lot of great exchanges with Senator Cornyn. You also said in response to a question about institutional racism, there is not an institution in this country that isn't suffering from institutional racism. There's not an institution in this country. Miss um, Gupta, does the Biden White House suffer from institutional racism? Senator, um, given the history of this country, of slavery and the long period of Jim Crow and the ongoing scourge of racial discrimination, I think that it is, remains very much a live problem in America today and that the effort to address racial discrimination in all of its forms, a discrimination of any sorts, is something that all of us have to work at in the institutions we are a part of. Uh, and one of the reasons why I will be honored uh, to return to the Justice Department if confirmed is that the Justice Department was actually founded on this, this objective of ensuring equal justice before the law. And the laws that Congress has enacted uh, through the sacrifice and loss of life of uh, black Americans and, uh, and uh, Americans writ large 
Um, that is a kind of core function of the Justice Department is to enforce our federal civil rights laws uh, and to fight discrimination where, where it happens for all Americans. So I'll, I'll just have the record reflect. I asked you simply, does the Biden White House suffer from institutional racism and you didn't want to respond? My, my time is up here. I'll just say that I don't think you harbor racial bias towards any racial group or that you believe the Biden White House suffers from institutional racism. But when you throw around allegations that every single American suffers from racial bias and every single institution suffers from institutional racism, you open yourself up to these kinds of questions by, by condemning your fellow Americans without individualized evidence of their beliefs, their words, or their deeds. I, I think these statements were beyond the pale. I, I don't think really anybody truly believes them, nor should they be believed because they are so preposterous. Thank you, Senator Cotton. Senator Coons. It's everywhere. It's just not the woke stuff. I'm going to play this. It's, it's in a soundbite for COVID, but I want you to hear this. Come. You know, when you think about, sadly, having to prepare for this again, right? And I know there's a lot of folks who, who think that, you know, due to climate change and due to the globalization in general, it's inevitable we're going to deal with more and more viruses like this. What the fuck? That's meet the press. That's Tim Rutcher's show that used to be unbiased. Totally straight line. But yeah, climate change. And remember, LGBTQ, BIPOC, critical race theory, climate change. All social justice is just a scheme. It's a money laundering scheme and vote get out where you scare the shit out of everyone. And now that it's not working, you can't call people racist anymore. And you got Lemon up there saying, oh, why can't you? Well, what's so wrong being called a racist? You guys used to do that word used to have weight. Now people are ignoring it. Now they're going, go fuck yourself. And this last year, just from starting this podcast to here, we are one hour in, and we say everybody's a racist, climate change is racist, cops are racist, everybody's a racist, but not you, because it doesn't apply to you because you're a liberal and you're a person of color. You're BIPOC. It's only for those white people. And non-progs. All to win an election, we have destroyed this country so goddamn bad that people won't come out of their fucking house, as we'll see in the COVID. They're so scared to come out of their house, and they're so scared that everybody's a racist and they're going to die in the street. Yet you show an actual video, which is 99.5% of all the videos of officer-involved shooting is what we saw in that Nashville shooting. They say, fuck you, cop, and they grab the gun. Oh, they were scared. Whose faults they're scared? The media. The Democrats. Who have had a mantra for one year that cops just roam the streets shooting black people. Just willy-nilly. They're interconnected. Because everything's interconnected. It's all circular logic because it doesn't apply to them. 
It only applies to you. So before we start our Biden section, let's do the media jerk off of the week. Miami politics, the media jerk off of the week. President Biden tomorrow sets off on what the White House calls a Help is Here tour to promote the COVID relief package. ABC's Mary Alice Parks has more from the White House. Good morning, Mary Alice. Good morning, Eva. Yeah, this is a coordinated cross-country publicity tour. The president and first lady up and down the East Coast next week. President Biden himself traveling to Pennsylvania and Georgia. Vice President Kamala Harris and the second gentleman. They're headed out to Nevada. All four of them next week hitting seven states. More than half of those do have open and competitive Senate races next year. Still, Eva, the White House says that the goal is just to talk to Americans, educate people about benefits in the new law that might be available to them. And Mary Alice, I know they want people to be thinking about this COVID relief package, but will this tour be overshadowed by what's happening right now at the U.S.-Mexico border? Yeah, that's entirely possible. This is a massive humanitarian issue, as well as a growing political crisis for President Biden. Just last night, the Secretary of Homeland Security directed FEMA to start helping at the border with sheltering and caring for unaccompanied minors. According to the Customs and Border Protection, more than 9,000 unaccompanied minors stopped at the border last month alone. Nearly 20,000 people traveling as family units. We've heard about overcrowding at these facilities, a real struggle to implement COVID testing. Uh, Republicans say that the president should have seen this coming. House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy is heading down to the border tomorrow with with lots of other Republicans. But congressional Democrats, too, they are angry and frustrated. They ran on doing this better, figuring this out. They say that President Biden needs to focus on this and make real progress here. I want to start with uh, President Biden and his travels this week. Politically speaking, what's the main goal in your view of this Help Is Here tour? And what's your take on this question we just asked Mary? Alice about whether the whole thing might be overshadowed by what's going on at the border. Well, first, the situation at the border, Dan, is a mess, and there is real concern within the Biden administration that it is going to get worse. That's why they're dispatching uh, FEMA, so that's a big concern. Uh, Regarding this tour, look, this is a $1.9 trillion relief bill. In terms of sheer dollars, this is bigger than anything that was done through the entire eight years of the Obama-Biden administration. So Biden wants to get out there. He wants to get Kamala Harris out there. He wants to get his cabinet out there. He wants to make sure that people understand what is in this bill. And as importantly, he wants to make sure that he gets credit for it. And no doubt reminding people that not a single Republican supported what they believe will be a very popular uh, series of programs. You know, the central part uh, of that point from President Biden last night about trust in government, it goes further than just hearing factual statements from the White House as opposed to lies. Because, you know, when you look at the COVID relief, this is a massive change in the government role in people's lives with high approval ratings. You know, David Brooks, conservative columnist for The Times, and I know you know him well. I mean, he compares this to a kind of mirror image of the Reagan revolution, right? Mm -hmm. He's Reagan. It's going to hurt his big win, man. That border crisis. Why are you people talking about that? Shut your fucking mouths. The print version of the jerk-off of the week is 
Washington Post, USA Today claim Biden is impervious to comedy because he's just such a great guy. He's so wholesome. He's so perfect. It's fucking Reagan, man. Fucking Reagan. I mean, come on. What the fuck is wrong with you if you don't think he's Reagan? He is the greatest guy ever. Well, personally, I I don't see how you get that. I just don't because the guy is full of shit. Here's CBS trying to clean up on aisle three for his Asian claim. The president made a point of calling out attacks on Asian Americans and saying they must stop, Major. Why is that important? Why did he put that in this speech? Because the numbers are an epidemic, and that is not an exaggeration. The statistical numbers of the incidences, not only violent ones, but of shunning, of screaming, of spitting at people, fellow Americans being attacked by their own Americans, people who don't have any other country but America, but look Asian or have an Asian ethnicity in their background, maybe two or three generations ago, are being attacked in this country. They're suffering psychologically, in addition to all the other suffering that we're doing because of the pandemic. It is... So as we mark one year of the coronavirus pandemic in this country, questions remain over the origin of the virus. A new book reveals warnings from U.S. diplomats of risky experiments at a Wuhan lab in 2018. Joining me now, CNN political analyst Josh Rogan. He is the author of the new book, Chaos Under Heaven, Trump, Xi, and the Battle for the 21st Century. I'm holding the book right here, Josh. I read it this weekend. It's a terrific read. Congratulations. Wonderful work. And it deals with the now... I think, as well. And insofar as the now goes, the WHO is investigating now the origins of the virus. They visited a Wuhan lab and they put out a statement saying it's highly unlikely that the virus originated here. Your groundbreaking reporting from over the last year, which you expand on in the book, it really casts doubts on what the WHO is saying. How and why? Well, that's right, John. I mean, even the Biden administration has said that they have deep concerns about the WHO uh, investigation that went to Wuhan uh, because of some conflicts of interest among the staff, but also because the Chinese government refused to put forth uh, the data that they would really need to figure it out. So uh, suffice to say, the WHO investigation, at least according to the Biden administration, will not be the end all and be all, which means that we still don't know how the virus originated. And that's not just a issue of blame. That's an issue of tracing the origin in order to prevent the next pandemic, which will surely come. And, you know, what I'm adding in this book is a lot of warnings that were ignored, frankly, at the beginning of the Trump administration by diplomats who visited some labs. And it doesn't prove that the labs were involved. It doesn't disprove it. It just points to the need for more investigation. And that's exactly what the uh, Uh, the Biden administration is calling for. And I'm going to break some news on your show right now. Uh, uh, I'm going to have an article later today in The Washington Post that will report that the Biden administration is actually not disputing some of the Trump administration's claims about this very lab, namely that the researchers there got sick in November 2017 with COVID-like symptoms and that they were involved in some uh, undisclosed research with the Chinese government and the Chinese military. These are some of the claims that the Trump administration made. And while the Biden administration is not endorsing any theory about the origin, they don't know, you don't know, I don't know how this thing started. They are saying that some of the information about the lab that the Trump administration put forward is 
accurate from U.S. intelligence community sources, and it, we need more information. We need Welcome back. Panel is back. Um, and the number of Democrats calling for Andrew Cuomo's resignation only grows in New York. John Hellman, Schumer and Gillibrand, the latest. Basically, the only prominent Democrats not calling for the resignation outside of the state of New York, I guess, at this point, are the president and the vice president. I don't know how Cuomo hangs on other than he st that doesn't mean he still won't try to hang on. How does this end? Oh, Chuck. Well, I think there are a lot of things that are in play here. One of them is what else is out there. And I, every major news organization that I know of right now has a, a team of people trying to uh, pr push this story further. And there are a lot of hot leads out there. Let's put it let's put mm -hmm. it that way. I think, you know, that, that the other thing that's true is Cuomo is totally dug in. I think the likelihood of Cuomo resigning is close to zero. And I think, you know, he is following right now uncomfortably for a lot of Democrats. He's following what is seen now as the Trump precedent. Yeah. You know, if you are determined enough, you are shameless enough, you can hold on. And so the questions then just become, does he actually get impeached? Does he actually get thrown out? And I think that's going to be a large, a large question around that is going to be what additional evidence comes out over the coming, maybe enough now, but, yeah. but there's going to be a large question about what else unfolds over the next couple of weeks. And yeah, it does feel like he's forcing uh, that. I want to bring up the, I'm glad you brought up Trump there a minute, John. Lonnie, I, I want you to respond to something Tim Miller wrote in the bulwark. He said, dunking on Cuomo's demise requires admitting that the other party has standards and lays bare once again the craveness of the excuse making for Trump that kept the lights on for the past five years. Uh, there's a lot of conservative media um, acolytes and propagandists that are very excited about Cuomo's downfall, but they seem to um, not be very self-reflective. Yeah, look, I think you have to call out bad behavior, regardless of whether it's uh, perpetrated by a Republican or, in this case with Cuomo, perpetrated by a Democrat. This shouldn't be a, a partisan issue, and I think Republicans have to acknowledge uh, that over the last couple of years, and starting with that 2016 campaign, uh, there were things that were done by Trump, and now, in this case, that are being done by Cuomo, that look very, very similar. But I think, Chuck, it speaks to a bigger problem we have in many states in this country, which is what happens when you have one party in charge for too long. It creates a toxic environment, mm -hmm. an environment that lacks accountability. You see it in New York. By the way, it's the same sort of factors that are fueling the potential recall of Gavin Newsom here in California. It's what happens when you don't have people standing up and saying, this is going wrong, and standing up earlier being willing to talk about, for example, the culture of toxicity we see in Cuomo and in other states. Maria Teresa, uh, it, it, you know, I think plenty of Democrats are now speaking out about Cuomo. Um, but what does it say if, if shame doesn't work now for, for Cuomo? Shame hasn't worked for Trump. Shame not going to work for Cuomo? Top of it. We saw pictures uh, over the weekend of Florida Governor Ron DeSantis at Daytona Bike Week. He's not wearing a mask. He is certainly very close physically to other people who are not wearing masks. All right, it's day two. Um, so the intro and now here, so if I'm not as peppy as I was on the first day, you know, because this is a chewed-up show because the way I rec record it, but I'll do my best to be as outraged as I always am. Um, I I played the CNN sound bites because let's just be honest. 
You know it was in a lab, you've lied about it forever, and then you talk about Ron DeSantis. And John Cornyn sums up the problem with about everything you guys do, that being the Democrats. More reckless non-COVID spending. $350 billion earmarked for the state, local, and tribal governments in U.S. territories was one of the largest spending items in the entire bill. It's a bailout. Now, with everything we do on this show, more often than not, I'm going to come back to, what if Trump did it? But the election, I talked at nauseum. What if Trump changed 80 election laws? What if Trump won and we stopped counting? Try to clear up my... No, sorry. A uh, little, little messed up today. Um, what if we did all those? What if Trump ringed the Capitol and fences? Well, we know the answers. But if Trump bailed out red states, sweet, sassy mofrassy, we'd have a fucking problem. 1,000 Baltimore school officials make $100,000 a year and haven't done anything. And that's the second part of all this COVID stuff. How do you justify keep giving money to schools when they're not open, when they refuse to open, when teacher unions won't open? How? I, I, I'm just sometimes astounded that they can go on the TV with a straight face and say those things. I don't know how you do it. I mean, they are super... Super good over there at CNN. They are just super good because most of us aren't built that way. You know, we're not going to be able to get up there and say outright lies just to win an election. We got one today that is so stellarly bad in our media section, which will be at the back. We're going to do a COVID and the border and the media, and that's going to be it. And we'll close this thing out, but. It's um, it's what the whole segment of Trump was. Mostly lies, bad sourcing, headlines, no retraction, anything they could scrabble for. And it reminds me of the Obama administration. They would scramble on anything towards an election time just because they were scared they weren't going to win. And that's how you got the IRS scandal. I mean, let's be honest. They tried everything because they didn't think the American people would vote for them. They themselves know that their policies are so fucking bad they can't get people to do it unless they scare the shit out of them. I mean, that's just how it works. Biden planning first major tax hike in almost 30 years. Now, understand there's already a tax hike inside, but now there's another tax hike. And you know who's going to get taxed. The middle class. All Democrat tax bills. They talk about, hey, we're going to nail the rich guys. They don't. Rich guys have lawyers and accountants. There's loopholes. There's always a loophole. You and I, H&R Block ain't going to fucking hook us up. It just is not going to happen. Forbes wants to be noticed in the throng of media fawning over Biden's speech. 
Biden just used a key leadership storytelling tool to unite America about COVID. No, he didn't. He read a teleprompter and leaned over, then walked away and didn't justify all the pork. He didn't even try to justify it. He fucking didn't even say a thing about it. Once again, all of this is predicated on these are supposed to be the people in charge. Here's Preet Bahara. Remember, he's a federal judge who refused to quit. The media loved him. They said he was a judge. He was the law. He was nonpartisan. Then he spent the rest of his time dunking on Trump. Biden just fired 35 judges. It's very normal. But the media didn't say that because the average American doesn't know that. So it looks like Trump's just a dictator. This is an actual tweet. Unfollow me if you want, but Donald Trump is not responsible for Andrew Cuomo's woes. That is the first nonpartisan thing I've heard out of him. Because the rest of the time, it has been Donald Trump, Donald Trump, Donald Trump, Donald Trump, Donald Trump, Donald Trump for everything. AP, need an example. Republicans have seized on Cuomo's scandal. Cameron Hothcorn, the AP actually, AP actually published this sentence about Cuomo scandal. Republicans have seized on the scandal to try to distract from Biden's success tackling the coronavirus pandemic. What has he done to tackle it? What? Does anybody know anything? The New Yorker, the New Yorker, just now. The cruelty and casualties inside Andrew Cuomo's toxic workplace. Just a while ago, they did a cover. He was the greatest thing that ever fucking happened on the planet Earth. In your sound bites, CNN criticized Florida Ron DeSantis for drinking a beer. For being at Daytona. Daytona. And then you had The View, and we played one last podcast. There was another one this week. It's all... Oh, only Democrats have to resign. No, that's not true. That's totally not true. And nothing you're saying about the border is true either. Let's talk about the situation at the border. We've seen a huge surge in migrants crossing the border since January. The number of children in custody higher than it was than its 2019 peak during the Trump administration. Your colleague, Veronica Escobar of Texas, called the conditions there unacceptable. She was there on Friday. Is she right? What more must be done? Uh, well, I'm sorry, I didn't hear who you said. Veronica Escobar. Uh, Veronica Escobar, our colleague uh, from representing uh, uh, El Paso. And yes, it is. The, actually, the facts are these. There are more children, uh, about six, 700 more children, unaccompanied children, coming o- over the border. Uh, the, uh, this is a humanitarian challenge to all of us. Uh, What the administration has inherited is a broken system at the border, and they are working to correct that in the children's interest. So So I want to read you uh, something that you wrote uh, in The Atlantic last month, and you you hit on what you just said about Biden's policies. You say Biden's more humane policies have led to rumors that the U.S. 
U.S.-Mexico border is now essentially open, both for asylum seekers who show up at ports of entry and for others who cross unlawfully. Smugglers are eager to spread that idea for the moment. The United States' humanitarian interest lies not just in showing kindness to those who reach the border, but also in stemming the flow of people who undertake the journey in the first place. So in light of that, should the Biden administration be more forceful in its messaging to convey that the border is not open? Yes, I mean, and, and they continue to do so. And they uh, one of the challenges, though, Pamela, to be to be clear here is Republicans are going around saying that Biden is opening the border. So what that does is that is then echoed south. Everyone uh, who wants to migrate uh, hears that, thinks, oh, Biden's opened the border uh, and then they come. So if our friends in the front row could help with that so we can get to the back row. We'll come circle back around if that works. OK, Sungmin. What's happening at the border, we now have 4,000 unaccompanied migrant children uh, in custody, and these numbers keep on rising. One of the things that Democrats in the Biden administration says is this is all the more reason to pass comprehensive immigration reform. And there's the beginnings of action on Capitol Hill this week on that subject. What kind of roadblocks will this face? passage of two smaller targeted bills. So it is a pathway to citizenship for those dreamers, those young undocumented immigrants who came here as children, and also a legalization path for far undocumented farm workers who have been doing a lot of the work, as particularly as essential workers in this pandemic, getting food to the table of Americans. And while that is expected to pass. Those bills are expected to pass the House. We know those bills will face an uncertain uh, future in the Senate. So the fascist with the dictatorship is to blame because you opened the border up. Really? The gaslighting. According to internal CBP, a document Reviewed by CBS News, a migrant holding facility in Donna, Texas is at 729% capacity. 911 breaking 911. Pelosi blames the Trump administration for the border crisis. What the Biden administration has inherited is a broken system at the border, and they are working to correct that in the children's interest. They're gonna put him where the fuck is it, Dallas? Let's see. Um, 3,000 immigrants at the Dallas Convention Center. Not a crisis. Nothing to see here. How is that COVID friendly? New narrative. Trump fault. It was working great until your team took over. You've got no one to blame but yourself. The gaslighting here is insane. I'm calling BS on this one, Nancy. Between eight-year Obama administration and Joe New Policy, this one is all yours. They'll blame Trump until the end of time. It's what they always do. Illegals flooding in Texas. Julio Rosa went down there. Just spent three hours right on the U.S. border, and I'm still in shock at how many people illegally crossed during that time. I knew it was happening, but it's different when you see it up close. In three hours, 263 immigrants made their way towards a processing site Border Patrol set up after they illegally crossed in the U.S. That number is just the people who wanted to be caught, and it includes women, small children, and unaccompanied minors. As if to highlight how many people were crossing over, some got lost from their group after it became dark. Myself and a BP agent and their leader went out to find them. We kept coming across other groups of immigrants before finding the lost ones. 
Each time I asked those who passed by us if they liked Biden, they always replied an enthusiastic yes. While there are certainly other factors for the massive influx, we are seeing the Biden administration rhetoric and policies are a big factor. Back in the same heavily used trail on McAllen, we were in the area for less than 10 minutes and 49 illegal immigrants, many of them children, walked up. AOC getting informed why it might be time for another crying outside. She's not going to go. Literally, they're inventory. They have bracelets. Inventory. The cartel's moving them. They know if they paid or not by the colored bracelets. They're like a refrigerator at Home Depot. Catherine Watson, question. Does the president believe his administration has a handle the situation on the border? I played it. We certainly do. What? But there's no fact checks. Because here's Politico playbook. Progressives are losing their patience with President Biden on immigration, while Republicans say he's causing a crisis. Political playbook. Biden's staring down a mounting crisis on the border. Stares down and stares at means different things. That's their headline, playbook. Biden stares down a mounting crisis on the border. He stares it down with his steely eyes in between Geritol. Yeah. yeah that, that's, that, that's great. It's a fucking clusterfuck. To the Capitol. Prosecutors request delay. Related to Capitol riot, likely the most complex investigation ever. They just arrested two guys for assault. And in line with this, because they're losing the momentum of crazy 70-year-old Trump supporters storming and murdering and killing and raping and shooting in the street, which isn't happening, but they're saying it's happening, they're worried their mom is becoming a conspiracy theorist. She thinks they're the ones living in a fantasy world. A family struggles with truth and trust in a country divided by misinformation. New York Times says, hold our fucking chai latte. Two decades after the end of welfare, Democrats are changing directions. The pandemic and a set of other economic and social forces changes the calculation for Democrats when it comes to government aid. The question now is how long the movement will last in the age of disinformation. So then they roll out the PRO Act. What's in the Democratic Massive Labor Union Bill? If enacted, the bill would drastically change the employment landscape and relationship between workers and employers. Here are major provisions in the sweeping legislation. Upends gig economy by changing independent contractors. The PRO Act would adjust what kind of workers can be classified as 1099 independent contractors, provide service to company, but do not receive full labor protections. It adopts California ABC tests for independent contractors. The sticking point is the B section, which says that a company can only hire independent contractors when service is performed outside the usual course of business and employer. Many independent contractors directly contribute to the usual course of business. Drivers for Uber and Lyft, delivery services, freelance journalists, photographers, truckers, artists, graphic designers, blah, blah, blah. Guts, right to work law. Law in 27 states prevent requiring employees from paying union dues or fees as a condition of employment called right to work laws. Advocates of labor unions blame the laws for destroying unions 
And the PR, the PRO Act essentially nullifies the law. If an employee benefits from a collective bargaining agreement, the PRO Act says he or she can be required to contribute fees to a union as a cost of union representation, bargaining, and contract enforcement, notwithstanding any state or territorial law. So, fuck you and your laws. Making illegal immigrants eligible for damages. The Supreme Court decision in 2002 ruled that the National Labor Relations Board did not have the ability to award back pay to laid-off workers, later found out to be illegal. Now they would. Makes it easier to form a union. Change in favor of striking workers. New NRLB fines. It's just all about the left. All about the left. And then, once again... More taking your guns. You got 93% of Americans recently polled are for universal background checks. Um, only 61% approve. Of, that's a big number, but 61% approve of the COVID bill, 93%. But you have zero votes for this bill on, from the opposition party. In fact, two guys who did vote for it in 2019, Mast and uh, diaz Balart, pulled their votes this time. They will give you nothing on anything, but especially this, because it plays to the culture wars. What's the chance you get it passed without them blowing up the filibuster in the Senate? Well, you know, we have to hope that we're going to be successful. And I think there again, we have to play out this battle with public sentiment. There again, the public will have to cry out, just as you said before. I remember this so candidly. Uh, After the El Paso tragedy, Chris, you did a CNN town hall and you said that, you know, passing gun legislation, changing this culture has to be done through the people. The people will choose that. They will decide that. So this is no different. The people will be deciding what they want, what they need to keep their communities and their families safe. And I absolutely believe because I've even been able to be elected on this policy agenda People are sick and tired of being afraid that their children are not going to come home from school. They're sick and tired of being afraid. They want to have common sense legislation to keep them safe. So this is going to be played out in the public arena. I truly believe that I know that all the people that have been working on this issue on the ground, grassroots organizers, survivors like myself are going to demand from the Senate Republicans that they take a stand and pass this legislation. You know, Lucy, I know that you said in your letter to your son that he had dreams. And I know you think one of them was that Jordan would have gone into public service. Um, You're living those dreams for your son. You wouldn't have taken this turn in your life otherwise. Who knows why God puts things in our path? Uh, I'm not one of these silver linings people. The loss of your son is unforgivable and unforgettable. Um, But you put in pain to your purpose, purpose to your pain uh, means everything. And I respect your commitment to the service. Thank you for joining us, Representative. I may not always agree with your positions, but I do on this. And I agree with your passion. So you're always welcome on the show. And Shannon Watts, you guys fight the good fight. I've seen you guys all over the country doing this. Thank you for being on the show tonight. Thank you. You know, I just, Thank I don't, you. I just don't know when we're going to start waking up and do what makes common sense. I'm a gun owner. It's not about confiscation. It's not a step in that direction. You saw those kinds of lies and peddling and dark arts got the NRA. When are we going to just start being reasonable, not left and right? When? That's your media betters pushing for it, which, you know, 
should we be surprised? I think the best summation of all this is Ben Shapiro. President Houseplant is not fully there. We all know this, but Democrats desperately need him in order to put a non-threatening face on some of the most radical policy we've ever seen. So he will be shielded from media questions. A new Rasmussen report, National Telephone and Online Survey, finds that 52% of likely voters say they are concerned that Biden has not held a press conference, including 30%, 37% said they're very concerned, 24% say they're not very concerned, and 22 not concerned at all. Anybody pretending that President House plan is an expedient, expedient rather than an obstacle to American reopening at this point isn't looking at either the CDC standards or the data on the pandemic trajectory. The media attempt to turn him into a wise leader is ridiculous. Small gatherings by July 4th, come on, getting us back to school faster. Most schools in non-Democrat run areas are open and have been for months. Vaccine being tranched out by May, we're already on pace. The media is treating Biden as though he's a prophet rather than a guy reading yesterday's news and trying to reverse profit. You know, I just got off the phone in between doing this and my mom was worried about me going to a funeral and I told her, Mom, it's open down here. We travel all over the place. We wear masks still and disinfect, but she doesn't know that because she watches the news. And the news is so inbred with this shit, it's not even funny. Because they are the enemy of the people. But I would be remiss, Brian, if I didn't mention CNN's own huge media story here with Chris Cuomo, uh, the anchor at the 9 o'clock hour, who covered Andrew Cuomo and had all these wonderful love interviews with him, more than 10 of them. And they suspended the conflict of interest rule for Chris Cuomo for those interviews. Yet all of a sudden they've enforced it again now that Andrew Cuomo is in the midst of an historic scandal in the Albany State House. So I think that that is a major black eye for CNN. Um, I will say that you and other people have covered the Cuomo story very aggressively. So I, I do want to be fair about this, but it is a major black eye for this network. Well, and, and to Wemple's point about CNN, I think the job now, the job always, is just to cover the story as if it was anybody else or any, any other story. Just cover it the same way, no matter what. It's so aggravating to listen to this idiot. I mean, he and I are very different. I'll tell you this right now. If I was surrounded by people carrying weapons, uh, people erecting nooses, a screaming hang Mike Pence, bludgeoning a police officer to death, I might be a little scared. But Ron, no, he's not scared <laughs> of those people. He's scared of this fictitious idea of Antifa, a thing that doesn't even exist. He needs to go. We learn that the Vatican has said that the Catholic Church won't bless same-sex unions, quote, since God cannot bless sin. They go on to say that this does not imply a judgment on persons. But I want to know, do you think this sends a damaging message? And how do you feel about that, given that obviously you are now engaged and going to get married? Well, I think there are, listen, I respect people's right to believe in whatever they want to believe in their God. But if you believe in something that hurts another person that, or that does not give someone the same rights or freedoms, not necessarily under the Constitution because this is under God, uh, I, I think that that's wrong. And I think that the, the Catholic Church and many other churches really need to reexamine themselves and their teachings because that is not what God is about.
Another week, another call. NBC News confirming that President Trump called Georgia's chief elections investigator to, quote, find the fraud, saying that official would be, quote, a national hero. President Trump personally called Georgia's lead in elections investigator and demanded that person produce evidence which didn't exist and, quote, find the fraud adding that if they did so, they would be a, quote, national hero. The Washington Post reported yesterday that President Trump called a Georgia election investigator and pressured him to, quote, find the fraud. And President Trump apparently pressured an election investigator to find the fraud. Again, not the phone call out of Georgia, another one. We now know of um, a second, there's so much, uh, a second call from President Trump to Georgia officials about trying to overturn the election. Uh, he reportedly told uh, an elections investigator in Cobb County to, quote, find the fraud, and then that person would be a national hero. Trump making that call was essentially interfering in an active investigation when he asked the top investigator to, quote, find the fraud, saying that that official would be a, quote, national hero if that person did so. Now, there was a second call to another elections official in your state to, quote, find the fraud. Well, I was pleased to see that uh, this kind of pressuring of our secretary of state was added to the articles of impeachment. NBC News confirming a Washington Post report revealing that President Trump placed a separate call to Georgia election officials, pressuring them to, and I quote, find the fraud while trying to overturn the results there. Late last month, the president called Georgia's lead elections investigator, urging them to, quote, find the fraud. This was first reported by the Washington Post. Now we are also learning of another call, first reported by the Washington Post and confirmed by our colleague Jason Morris, uh, that the president called one of these uh, investigators in the state of Georgia who was investigating election fraud uh, and urged him to, quote, find the fraud uh, and also uh, encouraging him that he would become a national hero if indeed he did find evidence of voter fraud in that state. You know, WAPO corrected CNN's kind of hypocritical, but okay. Antifa is just an idea. Doesn't exist. Don Lemon talking about religiosity. Suck a dick, dude. Oh, wait a minute, you do. Yeah, okay, got it. More Tucker Carlson and something we'll get to in a second because this is pretty good stuff. Ari Fleischer on MTP. If every one of the measures is voter suppression of Democrats, wouldn't the opposite also be true? Every time the law in question was enacted, it was voter increase of Democrats. I guess D's can change the rules to benefit D's. Restrictive voting laws, a thread 105. Republicans have proposed 250 laws in 45 states designed to limit early mail-in ballot and in-person election day voting, inspired in part by Trump's false claim of the election. They literally are saying on MTP... That when you ask for voter ID, ID, you're suppressing votes again. That's MTP. I mean, do we expect anything else of Chuck Dodd? He's just a libtard. He's not a journalist. He's never been objective. He never was objective. But NBC doesn't care. His ratings are blasé. They don't give a fuck. The numbers are in. Trump exit from the world stage led to network, network bloodletting. The data, Don Lemon, Anderson Cooper, and Chris Cuomo all had huge rating drops. Cable news began to suffer due to Trump. And 
it's the same information I had the other day, but the most important thing is Tucker hasn't. What does that say? Your whole thing was dogging truck. Tucker just covers topics. Topics. Maggie Haberman calls it notable how little questioning there is in the Biden White House. Caitlin Collins, when asked if Governor Cordo should resign, President Biden said, I think the investigation is underway. We should see what it brings to us. Stephen L. Miller, Joe Biden, Title IX regulation says something different. Maggie Haberman, no shit that you can't have due process for guys that are accused of rape and shit. Maggie Haberman, not sure pressure is really building for Biden to speak out. uh, Reference Cuomo. It's notable how little questioning there's been of the White House about it compared to, say, Obama, Patterson. Now this news. Reporter, we're promised a White House cat. What happened to that? And then all sorts of shit. They, They show that Trump talked to everybody. But the big thing was the last soundbite. And I have this super big on purpose. Remember the phone call to Georgia? You remember that was part of the reason why the Senate turned blue? The impeachment, all of it, was the phone call in Georgia? We are now in March. WAPO. Correction. Two months after publication of the story, the Georgia Secretary of State released an audio recording of President Donald Trump's December phone call with the state's top election investigator. The recording revealed that the Post misquoted Trump's comment on the call based on information provided by a source. Trump did not tell the investigator to find the fraud or say she would be a national hero if she did so. Instead, Trump urged the investigator to scrutinize ballots in the Fulton County, Georgia, asserting she would find dishonesty there. He also told her that she had the most important job in the country right now. A a story about the recording can be found here. The headline and text of this story have been corrected to remove quotes misattributed to Trump. That was nice. little, I love you from the wife, so I had to stop for a second. 911 breaking. The Washington Post has retracted their story about President Trump's call with Georgia election investigator. The Post misquoted Trump's comments on the call. Trump did not tell the investigator to find the fraud or say she would be a national hero. Trump did not tell the investigator to find the fraud or say she would be a national hero. Oh, really? If they retracted it, at least they would be honest. This is labeled as a correction. They waited for months after they published their false story to take it down and release a statement. But the damage is done and more people see the story than the statement. Notice this correction only happened after the election for the Senate. And impeachment. Mark Hemingway was the one that brought it to my attention. This kind of mistake is beyond serious. There's zero accountability in major corporate media anymore, yet they continually insist they're the ones holding the line on truth. And always remember, what should scare you about the media is what doesn't get exposed. 
Also, note headline on the post, follow-up story is a sort of maliciously anodyne. Recording reveals details of Trump's call to Georgia chief election investigator. It's not Trump's remark grossly misrepresented across media because we credulously fall for political ops. Really bad. This quote was still and is still everywhere. But let's just do a few. Vox. Trump poorly told Georgia lead election investigator that could be a national hero if they found fraud. Trump pressured Georgia election investigator to find the fraud. On December call, this is ABC, that was CNN, this is ABC. December call, Trump urged Georgia election investigators to find the fraud. President Donald Trump pushed Georgia lead investigator phone to find the flaw. Fraud. NBC News. Cam Whitner tracked down the actual recording of the call, which led to WAPO correction, but not the other outlets yet. CNN sort of issues a vague editor's note. The WAPO correction was much more comprehensive. CNN's, and they didn't change the text on it. Editor's note, an earlier version of the story published January 9th represented paraphrasing of President comments of the Georgia election investigator's direct quotes. The story has been updated following discovery in an auto recording, but it starts like this. President Donald Trump last month urged the chief investigator for Georgia Secretary of State Office to search for dishonesty at the 2020 presidential election, telling the individual the investigation was of national importance according to a source of knowledge of the call. Not retracting it. Stephen Miller, no one will be fired over this. Scream the headline, whisper the correction. More than one conservative aside the find some votes thing to me as a reason to not support him. That's what I went away with it, that he said, go find the votes, which he never said. Nobody at WAPO will be held accountable for reporting fake quotes from anonymous sources attributed to the President of the United States that were completely made up because corporate media is blatantly corrupt. Enterprise. We try our absolute best to get it right. Sometimes we fail, and some others, and some other such nonsense that nobody else who makes such egregious mistakes get to say and keep their job. Who else believes the Post misrepresented the Georgia call intentionally? The media is America's broken beyond repair. Scrap it. Oh, nothing. Just the Washington Post admitting they make up of damaging quotes from the sitting president of the United States. But don't worry. I'm sure they've never done it before. We'll never do it again. You can trust them. Mary Catherine Ham. Well, Greg Price. I don't know I read it. Where's Mary Catherine Ham? For those in my timeline asking me if it really matters because Trump bad anyway. Yes, it really matters. Quotes being correct matter a lot. Don't you see that's the issue of a reporter so dead sure that Trump's bad anyway, he's less inclined to question or vet his own stories. If the entirety of the structure in a report industry is super-duper sure that Trump's bad anyway, it can lead to really bad incentives and bad reporting as illustrated here. No one likes the skunk at the garden party, but I'll be damned if journalism doesn't need far, far more of them to stink up the joy with their skepticism. If this reads like a self-serving advertisement for ideological skunks, then you can call me Le Pew. And don't give me the corrections or the example of the system working stuff. Sometimes they are. Here they're coming in three months later when they were outed by a recording of the correction. A new story are designed to downplay as much as possible, not blare as loud as original. It amazes me how many people don't care about accuracy and truth. 
This is the entire Trump presidency. And remember, I don't like the guy. I wasn't mega. I only liked his, the media is the enemy of the people, and I'm talking shit to these fucking dickwads. Little twats like Costa. Gabe, uh, Joe Gabriel Simonson, actual wow to the correction. Molly Hemingway, our media are so, so, so breathtakingly corrupt. They always mischaracterize this call in a corrupt and fraudulent way. But to actually make up quotes in a service of that, we are so screwed by our disgustingly corrupt and unaccountable media. Good grief. MSM straight making up stuff to push the orange man bad. Hey, Seltzer, Tapper, CNN, all the media, when are you doing major retractions? Never. Never. They'll never correct it. How do I know? I give you Jake Tapper. It's about to run into the Senate filibuster. House Majority Whip Jim Clyburn said it would be catastrophic if the filibuster was allowed to be used to block these efforts to ensure voting rights. What's your message to Democratic senators such as Kirsten Sinema or Senator Joe Manchin or even to President Biden, who all support voting rights, but have made clear that they're not in favor of eliminating the filibuster, which will all but guarantee this bill dies? I don't believe that it's necessary to wholly eliminate the filibuster to accomplish the purposes of passing these bills. The elections clause in the Constitution guarantees that the Congress alone has the power to regulate the, to regulate the time, manner, and place of elections. That is a power that is sacrosanct. Just like fucking Chuck Todd, just like Stuffburger with Pelosi, they never push back on that bullshit. There's never pushback on anything. Democrats can go on TV and fucking gaslight like motherfuckers, make shit up, say whatever they want. Whatever they want. No. We're not going to fax first that. If a Republican uttered that shit, they would get cut the fuck down. Uh, Sarah Reese Jones, Stacey Abrams used the Constitution to explain why voting rights legislation should be exempt from filibuster. Just when I thought I couldn't love her more. She looks fabulous. Wow, and seemingly all-knowing Jake Tapper didn't know this. He had to be schooled by a black woman. This could become this could be because it's completely untrue. And there's one thing Jake Tapper won't tolerate people who falsely claim an election was stolen from them. Like that? Because that's that's what he fucking says. Sorry, let me respond to the wife. I want to make sure she's okay. Actually, what she does here is misquote, misread it, and prove she has no idea what she's fucking talking about. The election clause guarantees that the Congress alone has power to regulate the time, manner, and place of election. Election clause. The time, place, and manner of holding elections shall be prescribed in each state by the legislator. Jake Tapper knows that. But she's black. And even better, she's a Democrat. And then we have this one. We're in COVID, not supposed to travel. Look at my mom. She freaked out that I was going to go travel to Atlanta. The White House works. This is King 5 out of Seattle. A White House work break. Biden's home provides brief respite from the Gilded Age. He's taking a break. AP even called him out. And he still takes a break. Every weekend, he goes back to Delaware, you and I, you know, go fuck yourself. Don't see your grandma. 
don't do everything. And then our last, because this was the last thing, Politic, Politics New York exclusive black female ex Cuomo employee questions sexual harassment allegations. She makes it out to be anti-Italian bigotry. Let me read this because it's just fucking too good. Historically, white woman unstantiated claims that black males were propositioning, whistled, or are recklessly eyeballing them led to hundreds of not thousands of black males being brutally lynched and murdered. Most notably, Emmett Till. What has that got to do with Cuomo? Killing grandma. What? Anybody? That's our media. We don't need accuracy. We don't need accuracy. So, our last little tidbits, how we started, because like to close the end uh, with the beginning. Grammy ratings take lowest recorded viewers. So, let's do something funny, because this is a sad day for me, and it's not good, and do something angry. So, we'll do back-to-back. Angry first, this is America. The military's got a problem. They just got a problem. A Guan representative took the National Guard to go fuck with made he said something, and that's politicking, and that's fucking illegal, and it's a violation of UCMJ. And then the funny Greg Gutfeld, which April 5th starts his own nightly show, and I can't wait to watch it. This is America. Don't catch you slipping, no. Don't catch you slipping, no. Look what I'm whipping, no. This is America. Don't catch you slipping, no. It's time for the worst soundbite. When the liberal media is pushing one of them agenda story and says, This is America. 2021. days joe made it to the days how'd he do didn't last very long take a look good evening my fellow americans 
Thank you for taking the time to listen. I look forward to seeing you. Okay, how did he really do? Seems like he needs you. I need you, the American people. I need you. I need every American to do their part. And that's not hyperbole. I need you. Okay, okay, just don't stiff my hair. But damn, it got really dark. We were emerging from a dark winter into a hopeful spring and summer, finding light in the darkness. Long, dark years, one whole year. Toughest and darkest periods in this nation's history. Darkest we've ever known. Let me guess, his speechwriter Googled phrases with the word dark in it. But maybe the darkness will lift if we do our part, if we do this together. If we do our part, if we do this together, by July the 4th, there's a good chance you, your families and friends, will be able to get together in your backyard or in your neighborhood and have a cookout or a barbecue and celebrate Independence Day. That doesn't mean large events with lots of people together, but it does mean small groups will be able to get together. A July 4th with your loved ones is the goal. But a goal, a lot can happen. Conditions can change. I hate to tell the old fart, but it's got no say in who's coming to my picnic or yours. It's called Independence Day for a reason, Gramps. We threw tea into a harbor for fewer reasons than this. Anyway, the whole thing lasted under 25 minutes, but took 50 days to prep. All the planning and all the time for just a few minutes. It's like a space launch. No wonder his staff acted like this when it was over. Touchdown confirmed. We're safe on Mars. In sum, the speech was short but dark, like me after spring break. But the media was so relieved Joe made it through, they ate it right up. Hey, Rach, was it very moving? I think it was very moving. Um, uh, the president is very good at articulating empathy. President Biden spent most of his first address to the nation not taking a victory lap, but rallying us for the rest of the race to come. He is the guy we need right now. He didn't say, you need me. Right. He said, I need you. You could tell their collective response was also a sigh of relief. I'm not saying Biden's getting a free ride from the media, but I hear his next presser, all the questions will be multiple choice. But this all offers a contrast. Remember this animal? I just told him I've got to come over and see the fake news. Let's go. What do you have, John? Let me just say, be quiet. 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 You're with CNN and you're fake news. The fake news, which is you and you, you don't want to do anything about it. You think I should do that? No, no. Do you think I should do that, John? I mean, it's not for me. I mean, I watch your one-sided reporting. Do you think I should do that? I missed that. But now we have this. Let's hope they get him back to the rest of the field trip before the bus leaves. <laughs> but at least he remembers the names of really important people. And I want to thank the, the, the uh, former general, I keep calling him general, but my my uh the guy who runs that outfit over there uh i want to make sure we thank the secretary for all he's done 
Ugh. Imagine him ordering at Denny's. It's the, it's the round, the round things, and you pour the, the stuff on it, the sticky stuff. But listen, I'm not great with names either. But how many of these, these things does he do a month? And if that's when he's at his best, what's he like afterward? A working media might tell us that. They aren't. Working, that is. Like I said, a contrast in styles, but not presidents, but coverage of presidents. It's kind of obvious, right, Joe? Well, good morning, America. You caught me on my morning workout. I'd like to start the day with a thousand push-ups. Here we go. All right. Feel the burn. Hey, let's do some one-hander, shall we? There we go. Oh, yeah. Do not try this at home. I'm a professional, and my wife's a doctor. Come on, man. All right. <laughs> and what about the White House dog? No, 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 no. The other White House dog involved in an incident that resulted in a minor injury. They sent it back to Delaware, which is Biden for gone to live on a farm upstate. The previous incident occurred in the shower with Joe, which makes me wonder who brings a dog into the shower. That's the question I want answered. And if it were Trump before the election, the press would have that answer. Like they had all those answers and knew about all those meltdowns and tantrums. Now it's all quiet on the Geritol front. What's the media doing? Not much. And they aren't wearing much either. Here's Brian Stelter pulling a porky pig, taping his show minus his pants, because putting on pants would take an extra four seconds. Now, you'd think CNN would have learned something after Jeffrey Tubin, but I guess we should be grateful it wasn't an open shorty robe. But the media is used to looking stupid. Look at their coverage. An immigration crisis under Trump is now a daunting challenge for Joe. Not a crisis, a challenge. It's Survivor for kids. We've asked Jen about it. We've asked Jen a lot of things, and she never really answers. There are reports out there that the number of unaccompanied migrants detained at the border has tripled in the last two weeks to 3,200 plus. Is that number accurate? I'm not going to confirm numbers from here. Why won't you confirm that number? That's a very important number. We've been very clear uh, that there is an increase, that there are more children coming across the border than we have facilities for at this point in time. Uh, those numbers are tracked by the Department of Homeland Security. So I'm certainly, I'm just suggesting that you talk to them about specifics. Uh, maybe she deserves a break. A spring break. Whoa, Jen, what a place. Are you ready to go? Spring break, here we come. Uh, it is a spring break. Um, that's actually why I invited you and this um, unidentified person over. I thought we could, uh, you know, uh, spend it here. And do what? I thought maybe first we could um, color code and uh, alphabetize my uh, wardrobe. Yeah, that's not exactly what I had in mind. Um, but hey, do you care if we at least do some shots? I thought you might uh, mention that. So uh, that's why I got this um, giant bottle of uh, vegetable juice. Panama City Beach or vegetable juice? That's a tough choice. Please don't uh, invite anyone else over. Um, I'd like to keep this a um, small gathering. Oh, don't worry about that. I wouldn't do that to my friends. Oh, yes. I, uh, I have read a lot about the um, friends. Um, Joey likes uh, meatball subs and uh, Ross loves uh, dinosaurs. This is going to be the worst spring break. 
Of course, Joe couldn't do his first address without taking a swipe at Trump, claiming again he didn't do enough on the vaccine front. But we get it. The Dems can't let go. Thank God there's a network to deal with this obsession. You're watching ATN, all Trump news, because everything else is boring by comparison. I'm Anderson Lemon with the headlines. Folks in Vermont got a jolt this week when a meteor exploded as it entered the Earth's atmosphere on Sunday. The meteor was the size of a bowling ball, but exploded with the force of over 400 pounds of TNT. Sources say it sounded eerily like Donald Trump's infamous tantrums and meltdowns when he didn't get his way. Anonymous witnesses say he's a big baby who never learned decent manners or how to compassionately listen to other people. He's just a cruel, heartless person out for himself. Reminds me of my ex who still has my bowling trophies and won't give them back. Daylight saving time begins this weekend. Don't forget to turn your clocks ahead one hour. If only we could turn the clock back five years and avoid a Trump presidency. I mean, if there's one event that cries out for a time machine, this is it, right? And that's not just my opinion. Scientists say that too. Or maybe they don't, huh? I don't know who the hell remembers. Woo, these pills are really strong. And Buckingham Palace has issued a short statement responding to Harry and Meghan's allegations of racism. But some critics say the royal family has not condemned racism forcefully enough. It's the story the whole world is talking about and yet President Trump has remained quiet on this. Why? Why won't he say anything? If he stays quiet, then, then that's the end of all of this. Goodbye, all Trump news. The lights are gonna go out because we can't pay the bills and we're gonna get laid off. And my five cats are gonna starve and it's all gonna be Trump's fault. More headlines in 30 minutes. I'm Anderson Lemon. Do you want to hear a joke? What do you get when you cross true international pressure with Batacatra, the current Democratic president of the United States of America? No? Really? I can I've made an effective strategy to mobilize true international pressure pressure for people at Batacatra. That's right. That's right. Batacatra, Joe. Hilarious. What a funny joke Joe Biden is. But he's only a funny joke for conservatives. The left has forgotten how to laugh. And that is what we're going to talk about today. It's a very bad thing to forget how to laugh. It's very, very bad for the country. These days, if you try to tell a liberal a joke, it goes like this. Hey, Lib, do you want to hear a joke? Okay, all right, okay, got it, got it, got it. Sorry, I, I, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Every single joke made about the left will be met with the same shrill response. That's not funny. <laughs> That's all they can say now. Is there hysteria that is kind of actually funny and it makes conservatives laugh, but it's actually really bad for the political landscape. Laughter is healing. Truly, it lets us see each other as human beings with flaws and shortcomings. Did you know that laughter causes a chemical reaction in the brain? It makes you connect with other humans. When you laugh, a flood of oxytocin and serotonin washes your brain. These chemicals help you feel good and bond with other people. Laughter is a natural, God-given cocktail to remind you that we're all in the same team. We're all on the same team, the American team. If you love your country, you must love the people in it. Democrats, Republicans, whatever. 
All Americans who live under one flag deserve our humanity. And with that comes laughter, especially laughter at each other. Political comedy is a powerful bridge between ideological poles in our society. We were shocked in researching this episode to find a rich and hilarious bipartisan history of comedy in our American experience. Join me on this remarkable trip down memory lane. When a person dies and is buried, there's a certain brutal priest who will have the power to bring him back to life. Horrible. It's worse than horrible because a zombie has no will of his own. You see them sometimes walking around blindly with dead eyes, following orders, not knowing what they do, not caring. You mean like Democrats? President, in talking about the continuing recession tonight, you have blamed mistakes of the past, and you have blamed the Congress. Does any of the blame belong to you? Yes, because for many years I was a Democrat. <laughs> I always look forward to these dinners. It's just a bunch of media types. Hollywood liberals, Democrats like Joe Biden. How come I can't have dinner with the 36% of the people who like me? I believe that diplomacy should be the cornerstone of any foreign policy. And I can see Russia from my house. Is it gonna be hard in two years when uh, you're no longer president and people will stop letting you win at basketball? How, how does it feel having a three inch vertical? It's a three inch horizontal. You see it? Go ahead. With my hair stuck. What do we call people that go really, really through life just doing things because it feels good? Democrats. To you, Mrs. Reagan, lovely Mrs. Reagan, to you, our dear president, may God be good to you and yours for the coming four years and beyond that. You're a great gentleman and a great credit to the country. May he give you health, the almighty, and may you reign as long as you wish. God bless. Many of the Hollywood stars and entertainers in that montage there were left-leaning, but they were still laughing. They were still laughing with people of the opposing political party. How times change. Today, Hollywood leftists' humor looks a lot like this. I know, me too. She's fabulous. I cannot wait to see her debate our current vice president, Mika Pints. Or, uh, is it Paints? It's pronounced Ponce, I believe. Oh, some kind of weird foreign name? Yeah, not very American sounding. Yeah, that's what people are saying. I don't know who created Pokemon Go. But I'm trying to figure out how we get them to have Pokemon go to the polls. If you had to be stuck in an elevator with either President Trump, Mike Pence, or Jeff Sessions, who would it be? Does one of us have to come out alive? <laughs> what happened to these people? <laughs> that's, that's, that's actually a quote that Kamala Harris says, does one of us have to come out alive? I mean, it's ghoulish. You know, what happened to them is actually very easy to diagnose. At the root of all humor is truth. Jokes about a priest, a minister, and a rabbi are funny because there's a nugget of truth in them. When your truth is relative, non-existent, you have no stomach for humor. The modern left has embraced moral relativism. Therefore, they have no truth. If you have no truth, then there's nothing left to laugh at. Or even worse, you're scared to laugh because you're worried you may offend someone else's truth. It's insane.
This is why the left often says speech is violence. Silence is violence. Everything is offensive. A chicken crossing the road? You can't tell that joke, okay? It's offensive to the Riley family. They're chicken farmers. Knock-knock jokes? That's offensive to people who are so poor they don't have doors on their houses. A juvenile fart joke? The bedrock of American comedy? That's offensive to California Democratic congressmen who have affairs with Chinese spies and poop in their pants on national TV. To ask the Ukrainians to help them cheat an election. Mm, sorry, Eric. I know we're so sorry to offend you. We apologize. Warning label. Stop laughing, okay? Stop laughing at that stuff. It's not funny. Remember, it's not funny, especially the left. And they want you to know it. Article after article written these days about post comedy, offensive jokes. Is stand up doomed? Look at some of these headlines. How, how funny does comedy need to be? No jokes, please. We're liberal. Guys, these are mainstream establishment articles writing about the death of comedy, and they killed it themselves. That's a real problem. The absence of humor is a vacuum, and it's filled by shrill vacuousness and seething for your fellow Americans. Polls actually show this. Data shows this. In a recent poll, Democrats listed the biggest worry in their lives was Trump supporters. Perhaps that's because Trump supporters are still actually funny. And they voted for a guy that's actually, that's truly hilarious. Love him or hate him, Donald Trump was the funniest president of my lifetime. I threw in the Benny report. My wife watches that one and I thought that was pretty good. Because humor does help in all this. Because it's pretty extreme. You want to say Biden's not extreme, but... No president has done this many partisan things. Every executive order is partisan. And of course, Greg Gutfeld, I can't wait to watch it, but that's some funny shit because that is our news. It's a spoof, but it's our news. So this wraps up another episode of Flower Politic Podcast. Please share this with family and friends. Send comments to foppodcast.com. You get the video and audio on foppodcast.com. You can send me emails at foppodcast.com in the comment section on the bottom. Or you can go to SoundCloud, or you can go to Rumble, and both those links are on foppodcast.com. Disconnect from all your devices. Don't give the yeah, yeah. Spend time with your family. Life is short. As the intro to this show for Scott Carl shows, I forgot to mention in between my tears, this little board right here, that was made by Scott Carl. He had a spur of a moment, went and routed it, painted it, and put it on my Humvee for me in the desert. It's the nicest gift I've gotten in a while. So much so, uh, 16 years later, it's on my wall. So as I started, I ask at the end, please pray for the Carl family. Let God wrap them in his love and be with all those that knew him. It's a huge loss. Our next show will be Saturday, the 20th, I believe. And I promise then I'll be a little more upbeat. It'll be one show recorded as once. As always, thanks for listening and take care.